Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wednesday. Welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast, everyone. The podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things in the world. So this is a bonus episode, so it's just me, Zena. But I'm here with a very special guest, the founder and executive of Boulder Light Pictures, a horror central production house in LA, JD Lifshitz. Hello, JD. Hi. I was just welcome. Re- Thank you so much. Thank God I'm so happy to, to be here. Um you know, I was, we were just talking about before I came on that I'm, I've been reading Bloody Disgusting since before I could shave. Um, I mean, I started shaving at 22, so that's not even so impressive. Before <laughs> before I was supposed to be able to shave, I think I started reading Bloody Disgusting probably at 11 or 12. You know, very, that's very, awesome. um, I think I met Brad Miska at a, at, an, at a, like a horror event for the first time when I was probably 14. So, um, so this is very, very exciting for me. Listen, I'm so excited to have you on. Like, even before we started uh, talking. So I'm going to have to, like, fangirl, okay? I'm a huge fan of Boulder Light Pictures, and I'm a huge fan of you. I love your love for movies, for genre. Like, I just, you can feel it when you're watching it. Like, I always say this. As someone who's been watching horror pretty much my whole life, like you, it's like, when you watch a movie, you can always tell if someone's not really a fan of the genre. But there's so many movies, like The Wrath of Becky is incredible. Barbarian had me screaming at my screen. And I even have like the bottle. I leave it in my living room. It has like the hair attached. You know, it's like my prize and joy. Of course, Gone in the Night, I love that one. The visual scared the crap out of me forever so i just i love it. and of course pledge pledge is just like a good time and i oh, remember I'm when so i'm so happy to hear you give some pledge oh that's man. great thank you such so a much. such a fun movie and again i can keep on going but you oh. know i just want to thank you again for coming on and everything that you do it's my pleasure thank god you know i'm so grateful i think i really appreciate you uh uh saying all that yeah no we we i i um i always say we don't make movies for the soho house which is like a whatever a place where unhappy people hang out in LA. We make, we make movies for 12 year old us, right? We make movies for, 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 you know, the people that, that are going to see a movie on a Saturday night and mm-hmm. think, talk about it all week and think about it all year and listen to the soundtrack. That's what gets us very excited. Yes. Um, and you know, again, like I, I, I am a massive fan and I've always been a massive fan. My earliest memories are associated with storytelling and specifically like darker genre storytelling, and, you know, I was a kid who would take the train, as we were talking about this before we got on, to like go to Fangoria Weekend of Horrors and go to Monster Mania in, in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And, and you know, like, again, I read Bloody Disgusting. I read Dread Central. I read Shock Till You Drop. I remember when Ryan Turk was Ryan Rotten. Um, yeah. Uh, so so um, this is such a delight. Like, to be in something like this, it's just, uh, you know, I, we do you do interviews in this job, and, and uh, the most exciting interviews are are, are with places that, we speak the same language. So this is, this is yes. really, really cool. Um, and there was something that I was going to say on, um, like in terms of the, the, uh, uh, thank you for giving the, 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 uh, the, the, the shout outs to all of these, uh, to all these movies. I want to say one thing, which is the baby bottle, uh, uh, that was made for Barbarian is so cool to me. And it's especially cool because I remember being at a Fangoria 
convention when I was a kid and getting a Grace baby bottle. Uh, if you remember the movie Grace oh, yeah. uh, from like 2007, Paul Solid mm-hmm. movie. Um, and I still have it in my childhood bedroom. So it's just a bizarre thing that now we have a movie that has like a very similar sort of, um, you know. It's it's incredible. Like whenever people come over my house, because like <laughs> I said, it's like you see it when you walk right in the door. Like, And this is, this is actually a very, uh, here I'll put the camera up, but that's like my favorite uh, Barbarian alt poster that is hangs in my office now. It looks so good. Thank you. It looks like a Goosebumps so, book. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, so with Boulder Light Pictures, how did that come about? So I, um, it's sort of a long story, but I, I talk quickly. So it was um, uh, to, you know, I, again, I always loved genre movies. And Rafi, my business partner, we went to kindergarten together. We were always the two kids who just loved movies and loved horror movies. And I was probably a little more extreme. Like I knew who Fulci and Argento were. Um, and, uh, and he was more, uh, like he read Entertainment Weekly, I read Vangoria, but we both loved gnarly horror movies. And so like we would both swap stories on like who saw The Descent, who saw Hostel, you know, again, cause we came of age. People talk derisively about tor- the torture porn era, which is like not a real thing. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a, it's sort of a straw man. It's, it's torture porn was the elevated genre of its day, right? Where it's just mm-hmm. like, it's a thing people just say to either dismiss horror movies or 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 uh kind of excuse them but um uh we actually made a slasher movie together uh in seventh grade uh and the first credit in it we have a copy of it in our office the first credit in the movie we had written out this is why we're not directors we'd written out the credits and put them in front of the camera and the first credit we put was new line cinema presents so like we grew up on dimension movies on new line movies mm-hmm. on like the the again like um, and of course the classics um uh that predated us um, and so we had always wanted to do this. And then long story short, um, I, uh, I was kicked out of my Hebrew school at, uh, 13 years old or so. And my dad used to say, and, and I like, he loves telling this story too, because it, it, it's true. My dad was like, you want to make movies, your brothers want to be baseball players. It's not a real job. Um, because that's what it feels like when you grow up in some mm-hmm. small town in New York, you know, you don't know anybody who's made, if you meet somebody who has an IMDb page with one credit from 30 years ago, they're the most famous person you've ever met in your life. Right, yes. so to speak. And so it's like, I, I remember meeting Michael York, Basil Exposition from Austin Powers or Logan's Run, uh, in a shoe store. And like, that was the most exciting thing that had happened that, you know. Uh, <laughs> and so um, so I, um, uh, uh, so anyways, I read in a Fangoria magazine that Eli Roth checked his own MySpace messages. And I said, that's my ticket into the business. Um, so I made a MySpace page and I got in touch with Eli and he got back to me. And I started doing wow. this with other filmmakers. I remember Jason Reitman, who's not a horror director, but but um, but produced uh, Jennifer's Body and, mm-hmm. and directed Juno and Thank You for Smoking at the time, sent me a signed postcard in the mail. And stuff like that was just like, oh, you can have a These are real people. This is a real thing that you can do. Mm-hmm. And I started getting there with lots of the filmmakers. And and um, uh, I went to L.A. for the summer when I was 15 years old. I had an aunt who lives here. She still does. And I stayed by her house for the summer and I just like go to the New Beverly Cinema, which is like a repertory theater in LA and I go there like every night. I got to know Clue Gulliger that way, who's like from Nightmare on Elm Street 2 and Return of the Dead, among many others, um, and Feast, of course. And uh, mm-hmm. and just got whatever relationships I could. And then when I was 19, um, I didn't take the SAT. This is not a, don't try this at home. I, I just like, this is the only thing, like it is this or, um, or uh, uh, you know, work like effectively like, uh, uh, work at a video store and video stores are disappearing because of streaming. And also I have too loud a voice to work in customer service. Like I have no indoor voice. I will be fired. So, um, this, this, so I moved, so I moved to, uh, I moved to, 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 to Los Angeles and I lived by that same aunt for six months. And I saw on Facebook that Adam Wingard who'd done your next and, and the guest, mm-hmm. but actually at the time it only, I don't, he'd done a movie called a horrible way to die that I'd seen and been a fan of. Um, your, your next had sold, but it had not come out yet. I had not seen it, but I wrote like a Rupert Pupkin level fan letter to them. Um, and with, to Simon and Adam, to Simon and Adam, I forget which one first and was like, please give me this job, this position or whatever. And they did. And, uh, and then that was for ABCs of death, which I actually have a cameo in with my Yamaka in the D is for, in the Q is for quack, um, segment. And then Rafi called me. Uh, in 2012 and said, I think I can raise like $55,000 to make a movie. Can Mm -hmm. we make a movie for $55,000? And I'm like, absolutely, in my sleep. You know, Um, uh, El El Mariachi was like seven grand. This is like almost 10 Mm -hmm. times that amount. Um, That's what happens if you don't go to college. And so I, uh, and so um, he raised like $58,000. We made it for 55. 
Um, and I was 19, he was 20. I would like wear blazers to set to try to look older, which doesn't work. Um, it's like an old John <laughs> Landis thing that like really got outdated. And I would, I remember like going to the 99 cent store to like get the crafty and like set up the tables. And we made this movie in 15 days in LA for Corrupt the Budget Club Contracted. And IFC picked it up in North America and it was a huge sleeper hit phenomenon. Howard Stern mm-hmm. took up behind it. We had a limited theatrical release in 2013, but did extraordinarily well on cable, cable video on demand and Netflix. And we didn't like the job that our foreign sales agent was doing. So we said, give us a ride back. We'll do this ourselves. So we booked the basement booth in the Palais and Can, carried the posters, shared an Airbnb with a stranger, and we got to the Hollywood play just hustling. And like, for example, where we were at Can was like where the way Kaufman is. Like really just where you get the free coffee and you just come out and attack people and like, please, please look yeah. at our movie. Right. Um, but through doing that, we got these great relationships around the world. So, for example, again, in, in Hong Kong, contracted over the top 10 theatrically. I, I, I knew a kid who wow. was studying abroad there at NYU who was like, there's bus ads for your movie here. And, um, and you know, following that, we got these great slate financing and co-production deals because you just meet different people in different places. So, like, we did a deal with this place called Making Film in, in Hong Kong with our good friends Super Young and, and Pango Chung. In fact, it's not going to be one of the movies I picked, but I could plug it here right now. Pango Chung, who financed uh, several of our films starting out and is a dear friend directed one of the most messed up movies ever made, which is called uh, Dream Home. It's a Hong Kong slasher <gasps> movie. Uh, yes, yeah. That movie, yes. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a pregnancy sequence in that movie mm-hmm. that's just insane. So Pong is mostly known for like romantic comedies, and, and mm-hmm. uh, but he directed this one extremely graphic genre movie and has threatened to do another one. Um, and Pong financed <laughs> a bunch of movies for us and is just the man. We love this guy. He's like a uncle to us. And then we, uh, and then you know, another one was Sonic Image Columbia Macau, they worked with, and then uh, this company MM2 in Singapore, who's a publicly traded many around throughout Southeast Asia. They they did a great deal with us, and they've been really wonderful partners. And I I'd be remiss not to mention them. Anyways, uh, follow, you know, to fast forward, we were just in production on our twenty first movie since two thousand twelve. Mostly, it's been it's been horror. Um, you know, Becky's sort of an action movie, although it definitely like leans like we always. I'm a I you know to quote Gordon Gecko to paraphrase Gordon Gecko, gore is good. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. we 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 um. I, my biggest complaint with both Becky movies is that they're not bloody enough. And we're hoping to fix that um, uh, this uh, with maybe another one soon. Ooh. Um, uh, there's your, you know, a little, a little tidbit. Yeah. Um, but I have talked about how um, it's so funny because we did Wrath of Becky and I love Matt and Sue's the writer directors were very mm-hmm. close. And I was like, I was like, it's not bloody enough. And and that's not their fault. You know, it, it, it's a rush. It, there's a lot. You only have so many days in production. It was a very right. ambitious movie for what we had. Um, uh, but I remember like, oh, I'm really concerned that this movie is not like we got an NC-17 on Becky one. We had to cut it down. Becky two got an R on the first run, which was like frustrating to me. Um, cause for me, it's like the stamp of honor when I was a kid was you got an NC-17. If you were a proper genre movie, you got an NC-17 and we got an R and I was like pretty frustrated. And then everybody I talked to were like, kills are great. So I, you know, I guess it yeah. doesn't matter. Um, I guess whether it's the My Bloody Valentine original uh, R-rated cut or unrated cut, people can project what they mm-hmm. want to project. But, um, and then and then we had a movie called, obviously, The Vigil, which is very personal to us. And we love that movie dearly. Um, and that was at uh, 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 TIFF in 2019. And then we, you know, uh, uh, you know, like, again, we, we mostly focus on, um, I, I, we mostly want to, want to, you know, give audiences, I like to say, the best time they can have sober. Like, what is, I think, horror and comedy, which are two genres that we really love. Obviously, mm-hmm. we're, I, I, I think I'm, I think that I, I can probably teach a class on horror uh, cinema, certainly, and, and probably just the genre in general. Um, uh, 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 horror and comedy are, are, are both genres that rely on, uh, I'm not saying I would get any students, because again, without having an indoor voice, sometimes, it's too abrasive, but, but, um, but like, uh, but genuinely horror and comedy are both genres that need to feel unsafe, which I think is like very present for what mm-hmm. the conversation we're about to have. It's like, for me, it's, and, and when I say that, I don't mean that it needs to be mean spirited, right? Like it's not, right. I, I mean that like, cause people are like, oh, you should never punch down. I'm like the best horror movies and the best comedies both punch down. That's not, the problem is never, I was just talking about this earlier today. The problem is not punching down. The problem is why you're punching, right? So it's like mm-hmm. the difference between South Park and Carlos Mencia, and I'm sorry to him if he's listening or watching, is that South Park is in the name of comedy. They are trying to make you laugh. They're trying to give you a good time. Mm-hmm. Some comics, I don't even want to pick on Carlos Mencia, but you have comics that feel like they're just trying to like, at a certain point, they're just trying to egg you on. And that, to me, has never been, um, there's a great Stuart Gordon quote, which is uh, the late great, which was, um, Godzilla destroying a city is not scary. A person taking a pin to their finger very slowly is scary. 
sometimes the, it, again, intention matters. So I think that like right. horror and comedy both need to feel unsafe. They need to feel like anything can happen. They need to feel dangerous fundamentally. Mm-hmm. And I think generally, right. And, um, and, and that's really what we think about. We, we have a responsibility. Also, I, I, I really am very honest sometimes to the chagrin of my partner. Like I, I, if I don't like a movie, I, I do, I do not believe in lying. Um, uh, mm-hmm. the best I can do is keep my mouth shut. Um, uh, and you're seeing how good I am at that. Um, but I, um, uh, but you know, I genuinely just are the thing Boulder Light started because Rafi and I had a shared desire to make the kinds of movies that we want to see. And the, and that is our, that is the thing that we are obsessed with. Like, is just mm-hmm. how do we give audiences? I was saying this before we got on, but like my job is to give audiences the feeling I got when I would go to a video store as a kid and I saw, or a bookstore even, and saw the horror section. If a store, because sometimes they wouldn't have it, they would just have thriller or they'd have mystery and suspense, you know, or like sometimes you'd have to look for like Stephen King, like the fantasy section at your bookstore. Like, but when a bookstore had a horror section, you, there was a feeling I got that's like inexplicable. I can't, I, I can't even articulate how that made me feel. And movies are, and TV are an opportunity to, to communicate telepathically and give that feeling over. And mm-hmm. that's, that's the gold standard, right? That is the, that is the thing that I'm always chasing. Um, and, you know, thank God, again, I'm very grateful insofar as, as, as we continue to be able to do that. That's like, that's the thing that we're, that we're completely obsessed with. It's a, it's a vibe, so to speak. Um, right. And when I say that, I, I don't mean vibe in the way that like the movie is a vibe. No, no, no. I mean, it's a feeling that the movie should give you constantly. And it can't just mm-hmm. be a feeling because I think that movies need to just be more than atmosphere. But atmosphere is fundamental. Um, and I also want to say to anybody living in Los Angeles, the Barnes and Nobles at the Grove now has a horror section. So you might as well support it if you're not going to go to Dark Galaxies. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, um, even with you you talking about, like, the different films that you guys are a part of, let's use Barbarian as an example. And I also feel this way about the visual because the visual really creeped me out. But Thank with you. Barbarian, it's like it was very much unexpected, right? It took us on a journey. And I usually don't watch trailers because I like to go into the movie blind, but I watched this trailer. I couldn't help myself, you know, and I watched myself. And at first, you know, we see the the young woman, she pulls up and it's just like, no, don't go in there. Like, that's, that's what I was saying. What are you doing? But then it just, it just gets bananas. Like, that's the best word I feel that describes the movie. And I just love every second of it. The feeling that I had because I enjoyed it so much, it brought me back to my childhood because it made me laugh. It scared me. You know, there's some dark stuff that's going on, but I want it more, you know? And so it's just like, I feel like once, when a movie does that for me, takes me back to like my childhood, I feel like that's just something that I have to keep watching, you know? Of course. No, and that's that's really, uh, one of my, uh, a friend of mine, who's a, a filmmaker, uh, uh, I think I can call her out because, because I want to give credit where it's due. Maria Mediallo said this very, who directed a wonderful film called Master, if you haven't seen yes. it. Yes. Very good movie. Mariana texted me that she told a friend of hers that these are the types of movies we used to see when we were kids. That's it, right? It's not, mm-hmm. it's not, when I say that, I don't mean in a throwback fashion, right? Because right. I don't think that like, I'm not looking to make regressive movies. I don't mean that politically. I mean that um, uh, like intellectually, viscerally. Like I don't want to make, a, if you want to go watch like, I love um, early John Carpenter, right? Mm-hmm. I want to make, I want to make, I want to give people the feeling that I felt when I saw an early John, when I saw, you know, In the Mouth of Madness for the first time. That's not early, that's late John Carpenter or mid John Carpenter, but you get the idea. But I don't want to make that movie because that movie exists. So it's like, mm-hmm. the thing that I'm chasing, Spielberg has like one of the best examples I've, I've heard of this where he's like, when he's making Raiders of the Lost Ark, he wants to do his version of Flash Gordon. And he goes back and he watches the old Flash Gordons and he's like, these are terrible. Like, I, these are not, this is not at all. I, remember, I want to make a movie I had in my head. And so it's like, right. granted, with like John Carpenter movies or Wes Craven movies or, or, or you know, Toby Hooper movies, they're great. So they actually are great movies, which makes the job maybe harder, you know. Um, uh, but, um, but it does mean that you're, you're filtering it through your own prism, right? Like, the thing I love, uh, the, the, the thing I, 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 um, get so excited about when I see a great horror movie is um, like, I think smile recently was a good example of this for me um, because I think Parker Finn was able to, um, uh, who did a, a vigil Q and a for us at the new Beverly. I'm still grateful. Uh, very nice of him as a, as a buddy to do that. Um, but, but Parker Finn with smile 
Um, I, I had, I had the feeling that I was watching The Ring again. I had the feeling that mm-hmm. I was watching the original Candyman again. Right? There are so many things he does in that movie that are familiar, but through his own lens, and that's why the movie yeah. is exciting to me, as opposed to just like you know, or even even Alex Aja's remake of The Hills of Eyes, which is I think mm-hmm. is one of the greatest remakes of all time. I think it's a I true agree. masterpiece. Um, uh, it, that movie is not just a retelling of like Wes Craven's movie. Like it is, it that is actually the best example of what I'm talking about. Where, like that movie feels like a 70s horror movie, but there is no horror movie from the 70s that feels like that movie because it is just yes. an Alex Aja movie, right? It exists on its own terms. And I think the only way to move the genre forward and to give new audiences new things to want to copy and new things to fall in love with is to do things through your own perspective and not, again, you, you're inspired by the past, but you're not trying to recreate the past because the past is past. Yeah. And I, I love that you mentioned the movie Smile. I really love that one as well. Like, especially like something like the soundtrack, like their oh. sound. Oh my so goodness. Good. I, when I went to the theaters, I was the only one in there and it scared me. Oh, and I just, ter- yeah. I, I was amazing. so happy, <laughs> you know, as weird as that sounds, but it was, it was a great experience. That's amazing. That, that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Um, but speaking of things that scare you, <laughs> well, cause I was talking about that for me. I want to know what scares you. Uh, you know, it's funny, as a kid, the two scariest things that I can remember, the three scariest things that I can remember seeing, or you know what, I'll just do four really quickly, and then I'll, really just four, because they're very different. One is, there's an image of the guy falling in the water, and I know what he did last summer, and for whatever reason, the movie didn't scare me, but that image scared me. Two, the It miniseries scared me in the way that I, the first half of it, scared me in a way that I think every, every rational uh, child who saw that was disturbed. Like, that was the most frightening I'd ever seen in my life. Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, I remember being so scared when I saw that movie for the first time. I must have been six, maybe seven years old. I remember being so scared when I saw that movie for the first time that I immediately was like, I have to go rent Freddy's dead so I know how to kill him uh, if he, should he, should he uh, come for me. Fun, smart. fun fact, <laughs> Freddy's dead and Freddy's Nightmares pilot, both written by, and in the mouth of madness, all written by our esteemed chairman at Warner Brothers, uh, Mike DeLuca, who is a true fan. Like, That's Mike awesome. yeah. loves horror. He actually does. I was in a marketing meeting with him where he brought up In Search of Darkness, the Shutter documentary. Like, he, this guy, he's one of us, and it's the coolest thing to get to work with a studio Love that he ever sees. Um, and then, um, uh, and then the, and then the fourth is actually, um, there's an episode of a short-lived R.L. Stein show called The Nightmare Room, uh, uh, oh. called Scareful What You Wish For, that is, like, the other scariest thing I saw as a kid, which is um, uh, uh, features Shia LaBeouf as a kid, as a as a teenager who starts getting stalked by this little kid played by Dylan and Cole Sprouse, uh, the kids from Big Daddy, uh, and now the Sweet Life, whatever in Riverdale. Um, and it's just there is there is something about that episode. There's a big reveal in it, and there's something about that episode that is staggeringly disturbing and scary. And I think you, you totally do again. And nobody has seen it but 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 me. And uh, I'm not even yeah, sure. I've spoken to Dylan Sprouse. I don't even know if he's seen it. Um, uh, but um, but I suggest everybody track this down. I don't know if it holds up. But when I was revisiting it a couple of years ago, I felt like it did kind of hold up. Um, those things really scared me as a kid and Candyman. As an adult, mm-hmm. the original. As an adult, I basically never get scared for movies. The two scariest experiences I had in a movie theater as a... The three scariest experiences I had in a movie theater as an adult uh, are... Um, in order, Sinister, Hereditary, Smile. Um, Sinister is probably the only one that I was scared when I left the theater. The other two, I was just scared in the theater. Um, right. Generally, if I'm scared now, it's because of a documentary or real footage that I saw of something. I, I, I'm not really scared of um, fiction. I'm scared of, uh, I'm, but I'm scared of the things that my mind does when I go to when I'm mm-hmm. like getting into bed at night. Right. But that's that's sort of like this primal feeling that probably exists. Um, that probably uh, exists on the back of all of the gnarly, crazy horror stuff I've inundated myself with for 30 years. Absolutely. And then real quick before we dive into our list, um, do you have like a favorite subgenre in horror? It's an excellent question. As a little boy, it was probably the slasher. That was probably the one that I was like most obsessed with. I, I was like, a, this is how messed up I was as a kid. I would go online and there were websites where you could see the body count. Um, oh, and I would like yeah. read about the body count of like Night of the Demons too, you know? Uh, and then, and then additionally, um, 
uh, and then additionally, I also, um, I also uh, would go on like Arrow in the Head, the John Fallon's website, and read the gore mm-hmm. count. Like just crazy. I was like a big slasher guy. Um, uh, but um, but as an adult, I love ambitious horror. I, it, it's not for me. It's more just a mindset. Like I love horror movies that want to be the greatest horror movie you've ever seen. I love horror movies that just feel all my favorite movies now as an adult generally are just bold visions, right? Like somebody wants to t- grab you by the throat and not let go. And that can be the sixth sense. And that can be, mm-hmm. um, and that, and that can be, um, you know, uh, uh, get out. Like that can be, that can be, uh, any variety of different things. I just love movies that feel abrasive and loud, yeah. you know, I don't mean loud literally. I mean like, mm-hmm. you know, they're announcing themselves, um, uh, in, in a way that kind of, for me now transcends genre, but, but within, sure. within that, like, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah. Just anything that for me, that, that becomes more important than, than the specific su- subgenre. Um, right. I think. Okay. And then I know I said one more question before we dive into okay. our list. Um, but I, I just thought of one. Okay. So, okay. You have such a, I like that you're straightforward. You know, you go after what you want. You're not apologetic about liking genre. Just very straightforward. So how do you keep that energy? Like, how do you not let people try to, like, dampen it down? You know what I mean? This is, like, one of the best questions I've ever been asked because this is the most important thing about working in the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. Professionally. Like, thank God. Like, what I've come to realize is that, like, a lot of the things that were liabilities to me when I was a kid are superpowers as an adult. And they are a lot of things that they tried to beat out of me when I came here, right? Because being a non-financing independent producer is like having leprosy in the 16th century. It's like just the ugliest thing you can be. Nobody wants to talk to an independent producer who's not financing, right? Who has to look for the money. Um, uh, And thankfully it's changed, right? But at the time it was really isolating. And I, uh, I desperately wanted to be part of, uh, whatever my version of the splat pack would be right now. I was younger than anybody. I really knew Rafi and I both were younger than anybody we knew when we moved here because we were kids, right. Ultimately. Um, and, uh, and we loved horror and I, and I, and I mm-hmm. foam at the mouth about it and people would look at me like I was nuts. Like they're just like, like, like to quote, uh, to the marketing campaign for last house to left, it's only a movie, but in a negative sense, right. They were just like, why are you right. so, you know, and it's like, these are hours of people's lives. They're never going to get back. You have to deliver for them. But, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, I remember we had a meeting with Jason Blum, which was really wonderful and inspiring. Um, and Jason basically was like, you guys aren't in, in so many words. It was like, you guys aren't the crazy ones. Everyone else is crazy. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, in the sense of like, um, and, 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 um, uh, uh, Um, but, but that aside, the thing that I think, um, the thing that I think was most powerful for me, um, uh, above all else is like, we are the, 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 the two things that ruin movies the most, I would say are ego and apathy, like not caring about what you're doing is why most movies are bad. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is like my favorite filmmakers. And we talked about this a little bit before we got on, but my favorite filmmakers that I've had the privilege to meet we all speak the same language, which is, which is, um, there is a, there is a, a love and a childlike nature. Like that point of purity is where I come to make movies from. Right. I am constantly in dialogue with my, with my, with my childhood self, because that's the thing that is, that is the most transferable. And that is the thing that is the most rewarding. This business, um, like the, the most important thing you can do for yourself is not allow yourself to get jaded because when you watch uh, 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 even a movie like Killers of a Flower Moon, when you watch a Scorsese movie, mm-hmm. that's a guy who's making movies with the same energy he's made, he was making movies with 50 years ago, you know? Um, and that is, um, and, that's, and, and that's how you keep making great movies ultimately, right? That's, that is the, um, that, 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 that to me transcends genre. Um, and I, I, again, like, I don't know how to, and the, and the truth is, I don't know how to do it any other way. Mm-hmm. Like, I am, like, my wife is not a genre fan. Um, but she tolerates me and, um, uh, and, and she doesn't, I'll come home and I'm just like, I am, I'm just obsessed with it. Right. I'm like mm-hmm. telling her facts about like why Lucio Fulci's zombie two is called zombie two. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just the way that I, it's, it's just, I, I grew up inhaling this stuff. 
it is a language that I've always kind of innately understood. Um, and, and the, you know, thank God, the thing that I'm most grateful for is again, it's a responsibility to make movies. It's not a human right, right? It's something that it's something that I am grateful for. And that I, um, and that I pinch myself every day for, and that I take seriously the responsibility of delivering for an audience. Like the audience doesn't owe you anything except a good faith watch that they're going to watch it with an open mind. They're going to, they want to have a good time when they watch it, right? If somebody goes in hating something, maybe that's bad faith, whatever. But the audience doesn't like the audience doesn't owe you liking your movie, right? Uh, and I think that's another right. real problem is that a lot of executives like they're flippant. I joke, um, you know, I've, I've worked with a, on various different like franchises, and in certain situations, I'm working with an executive. I'm like, not only do I not think they've seen the original movie in this franchise, I don't think they've ever seen a movie, right? And I'm like, that's kind of a joke. That is, I mean, that is technically a joke, but it's like mm-hmm. you know, people just don't care. They don't, they don't, they don't care. And I, I, it's just fundamental. It's just like on a foundational level, it's just not how we approach this. And so thank God, I'm extremely grateful for that. Um, uh, It's just the only way that I know how to operate. It makes things more fun. It makes food taste better. Um, And it's like, you know, the coolest thing is, is when you get to go, you know, when you get to see yourself in a Fangoria magazine or like you get to go, you know, it's like you get to go to a horror, like I get to go to Fright Fest and like watch you know, um, uh, a, a bunch of these movies. And like my, I constantly have to remind myself, you know, I was saying this before we came on, but we were making Barbarian in Bulgaria. Every time I would have a tough day and like think about how much I miss my family or what have you, I had a playlist of songs I would listen to when I was like 14 years old. And I would just play it and walk around Sofia, Bulgaria and just be like, I'm, I'm, this is my job. I get to be in, mm-hmm. in, in another country making a crazy horror movie um, uh, I have nothing. I, if I complain, I should punch myself in the face. Man. Oh, it's just a magical life that you have. Thank God. I'm, I'm so grateful for it. And the truth of the matter is when I was a child, I was utterly miserable. Like, cause I, I was like, everyone is like, I, I was so miserable as a kid, like from the ages of like 13 to 19 was utterly isolating. Just like awful you know because you want to do something everyone thinks you're nuts even when Rafi and I moved to LA and and again there was a sense of delusion that we came here right Mm -hmm. it was it was it had to be a little insane to do that um excuse me like it was that that was isolating right like it's still a very difficult job but if you don't love it it's not only is it impossible, I don't know why you would ever do it because the rewarding things about it are rewarding and products of caring, right? Like mm-hmm. they're, they're results of caring. So, um, you know, again, I, I take nothing for granted and thank God I genuinely like, I'm, I'm so, so grateful. Um, and that, and again, like I, I want to give, like I am, I, a lot of people say they're their own harshest critic. I really think I am among the most harsh critics of the movies that we make. Um, and directors that we've worked with will attest to this. Sometimes we're better, you know, sometimes it gets me into trouble. Like I'm not, I'm not shy about saying how I feel and I won't say that I love something that I don't love. At least I try never to say something that's not true. That's good. No, but seriously, kind of like what I already told you before we even started recording, I really do feel like you are very inspiring. And again, I feel like when it comes to Boulder Light Pictures, you and Raphael are doing like, I feel like your movies, like they never miss for me. You know, I always end up having like the best time watching it. So so kudos to you both. Thank you so much. You know, thank God. I'm so grateful. And and that means so much. And like genuinely, you know, like I, 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 I am the person who's, who's like constantly looking at the lineup at like, again, again, Monster Mania, for example, and being like, why are we not here? (laughs) Why are we not going? I was like, I was telling Tracy, my VP, like, you have to start, like, one of us, Rafi and I have mm-hmm. kids, it's like hard to travel, but, but, um, and by the way, that doesn't mean I won't do it, I want to do right. it, I just have to, like, negotiate it with my wife, um, but I'm like, we have to have a, like, this is, you know, this is the, this is, this is the community that we work for, we don't work for Hollywood mm-hmm. executives, we work for the ticket buying public, right? And you guys, you're doing it, like, I just, again, I feel like you care about the genre. Thank you so much. I won't name movies, but there's, you know, certain movies sometimes when I think about, you know, they have like this big push behind them, which is, which is cool, but there's just something that's hollow, something that's missing. 
So, and I'm just a viewer. So clearly this is what I'm feeling, you know, and I'm, I'm seeing it. Thank you so much. Okay, of course. All right. So uh, now we're going to talk about the top three most effed up horror movies that we've ever seen. Um, and you are our guest. So you can go first with your first movie. Oh, no. So I, um, I'm i going to pick three that are uh, more cerebral than visceral. Like they're more, they're more like emotionally upsetting than mm-hmm. uh, two of them are more emotionally upsetting than violent. Um, okay. uh, uh, and I don't know if they're the three most disturbing movies. One of them is very violent, but I don't know if they're the most disturbing movies I've ever seen. Uh, um, but they're three movies that really impacted me. And I'm not going to pick documentaries, uh, because I feel like that's cheating. Like that, that's, that's a different sort of feeling. Um, but, um, but I'm going to pick, and I'm not, and again, the reason I'm doing it, like, I'm not, gonna, I'm not picking like, they're the obvious, like I'm not picking like Cannibal Holocaust or Audition, which are right. movies that are like, yeah, those movies are really messed up, but they're messed up in a really kind of like playful, vis- I mean, not playful mm-hmm. is the wrong word, but they're visceral. They're like daring you to watch them. Right. That's, that's, that to me doesn't, that's like titillating when you're a kid to a certain extent, but it's not, um, it's not disturbing. It's not, I'm not right. thinking at night, uh, trying to get it out of my head. Right. Um, and so I'm picking three movies that like really upset me in a way that, um, that felt, uh, they felt dangerous. They felt bizarrely off-putting. And the first one that I'll list is a movie called 10 Rillington Place, uh, by, by the great Richard, late, late great Richard Fleischer. Um, Richard Fleischer directed such a wide variety of movies. He's one of the only filmmakers that started in the old Hollywood system and really worked up until like 1989. And then he only died in 2001. So he wrote a great book in the nineties. Like he, he was a phenomenal filmmaker and he made everything from 20,000 leagues out of the sea with Kirk Douglas to Amityville 3d with Dino De Laurentiis. Like he, he was a guy who just did so many different kinds of movies. Um, and, uh, and 10 Lincoln place is a movie that he made with, um, with Richard Attenborough and John Hurt. Um, and it's a British movie about a real serial killer named John Christie, who's referenced actually in Frenzy, Hitchcock's movie. Um, uh, but he was a very famous serial killer uh, in, in the UK. And just, mm-hmm. you talk about a movie that's about the banality of evil, which is something that's thrown around a lot. It's similar to Killers of the Flower Moon, but this movie is not nearly as long if you were scared by that running time. This movie's very tight. And this movie really feels, um, and I love Killers of the Flower Moon. That wasn't a knock. I just know it's not everybody's cup of tea. This movie is... It makes for me Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer look like the Ted Bundy Zach Efron movie. Like it's not, it's Whoa. a uh uh no, I I only mean in terms of how polished. Like it's not no, a right, right, yeah. It, I mean just I, in terms of like this is not a humane movie. This is a movie mm-hmm. about the abyss inside of man's like core. You know, the what what happens if you're just filled with animus, so to speak. And when I say abyss, I just mean, you know, there is there is no silver lining to this movie. It is so bleak. It is so dark. It is so harrowing. Um, and the performances all feel, again, it, you genuinely, if you told me this was a documentary, I wouldn't believe you because I know these actors and I know this filmmaker. But if I didn't, I'd still not believe you because we're watching actual murders happen. But, um, but it's a good case to make. The movie is so scary and just unnerving and, and just awful. You need a shower after it. Um, I think I did this as trailers from hell for, for Joe Dante. Like I, 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 I talk about this movie all the time, but it is just the most upsetting uh, and, and powerful serial killer movie that I think I've ever seen. We did a movie with Anna Kendrick called Moment of the Hour that'll be on Netflix, I think in August, uh, 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 sometime next year. I don't know when, I'm just guessing. Okay. Um, and that, uh, that movie, one of the reference points um, uh, uh, was Ten Lincoln Plays. Um, in terms of just how hardcore it goes. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's my first pick. Okay. But, you, but I would say runner-up, I, I could have also used the Boston Strangler, sorry to jump in, uh, which is Richard Fleischer's Tony Curtis 1968 serial killer movie, which is the second most disturbing serial killer movie I've ever seen. Um, and, and nothing to do with the remake with Keira Knightley. I'm sorry. No, no, you're, you're good. I just, I've never heard of the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I looked it up, and I just saw that it's available on Pluto TV, so I'm going to check it out tonight. It's the ultimate feel bad experience. (laughs) I can't wait. Okay, Um, so that's your first one. So the first one I'm going to go with as well is um, this movie called Calvair, a.k.a. The Ordeal from 2004. 
um i don't know if you ever watched a movie that just made like your armpits sweaty like it just like stressed you out and i feel like this is what this movie did it's basically about this guy he's a musician he's cutting through this small town his car breaks down pretty much everybody in that town they're gross they're psychopaths and it's just like i would never want to be in that situation like i i felt like I never wanted to watch the movie again. Like again, like not trying to sound like oh my sweaty armpits, but yeah, whenever I get like nervous, that's what happens. And I like it's just crazy that a movie made me do that. So I think in my lifetime, I only watched it one time, and this was like back in like 2004, like when I was in I was in high school in 2004. So it's just kind of like wow. never again. But yeah, there's still particular scenes that live in my mind. That, it's so funny, that movie was going to be remade. Um, uh, I won't say much about it because I don't know if it's private, whatever, but I will say a notable horror actor wrote the remake. Um, and it was going to be remade. I don't think it'll happen, but it, or maybe it will. I have no idea. But I remember reading a remake version of it mm -hmm. years ago. Um, and uh, yeah, no, that's a great, that's, that's, uh, I, 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 my, my next pick is a, 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 a French extremism, French new extremism Ooh. movie. And obviously, there are so many to choose from. There are fake ones like Martyrs, because that's, I think that's French-Canadian, technically. Um, uh, and then you have, obviously, High Tension, which is, which is mm -hmm. you know, speaking of Aja, just such an incredible movie. One of the greatest slit throats in cinema history. Um, uh, and I think that was Fulci's guy who did the effects. I could be wrong. Um, but, um, uh, and then, of course, you have, you have, you have Incendies. You have so, not Incendies. Um, uh, that's another great movie, but um, Interiors. Um, but, uh, 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 but I'm actually thinking of uh, Inside, which is mm -hmm. a, like, powerhouse of a movie. And I'm specifically talking about, um, and it's the, gnarly, it's the goriest movie on the list that I'm going to pick. And I'm specifically talking, and that's a movie that I wanted to remake. <laughs> when I was 20 years old, we just made Contracted, and I, I was like, this is a movie that, like, you can actually remake, and you can do a job, and you can, you can, like, you can do a different thing with it, but you can use that premise. That premise is so good. And there's yeah. so many great things in it, but like there's ways to I think even even um, push it further, whatever. And I got in touch with the rights holder, and they were like, "Great, that'll be a quarter million dollars." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, I can't. Okay. That's, that's, we just made our first. We were fifty thousand. I can't do that. I can't raise that kind of money for rights." Um, but um, but anyway, um, uh, regardless, um, inside is uh, it's a it's a woman home alone. She's about to give birth. Her husband has died in a horrible accident sometime before. And, um, and she gets a knock at the door and it's a woman asking to use the phone and she doesn't let her in cause she's smart. And then, um, <laughs> the woman keeps coming back and at a certain point, and this is sort of a spoiler, but, um, so you can mute me for three seconds as I say that the woman calls her by her name. And that is when the movie just goes bananas. Um, yeah. this is the only time in a movie that I've been upset at Gore. And when I say upset... Not because I was physically ill from the gore, I wasn't. Uh, uh, that would probably be Jennifer Kent's *The Nightingale*, which could be on this list, but it's oh but I gosh. I won't put it on this list. I love that movie, um, but uh, but that movie's not really horror at all. Um, but this is uh, but this in the sense that like I actually thought the first half. I think the first half of this movie is one of the scariest movies of the 21st century, and I think the gore makes it feel safer. It makes it feel less. Mm -hmm. It makes it feel less dangerous because it's fun and it goes from being really scary to kind of fun. Um, and, uh, but there is a money shot in this movie that I will not spoil, but that is very obviously coming and kind of on the poster of the Dimension Extreme label right. DVD that just is like shocking. And the movie is, um, it's my favorite of the French, uh, new extreme movies, uh, uh, slightly in front of high tension. And, um, yeah, that, that, that's, that movie doesn't get enough love. That is a good one. I was late to watching that one. I think I watched that one maybe like a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. I have the Dimension Extreme DVD. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. So number two on my list, I recently watched this movie. Um, it's called Antichrist. Of it course. came out in 2000. Oh, my God. I turned like 17 that... <laughs> the year that movie came out. I almost, I, I know, I say that not to date myself. I say that. Um, because I remember having a conversation about, oh, that should be the first R-rated movie we go to. Like that, I, it wasn't. I ended up going to a, a, a another movie as my first R-rated movie. Um, but uh, and it wasn't a horror movie. 
But um, but the day I turned seventeen, I went to the uh, Landmark Sunshine to see my first R-rated movie. Um, but but Antichrist, I remember, came out around the same time, and that was a conversation that that would be the first one. Yeah. Ooh. Um. I've heard about it for a while. People would say like, oh, wow, this movie's a lot. And I'm like, is it? You know, because, you know, you watch like a lot of stuff. You think it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This movie ruined my life. Um, <laughs> and I don't know if it's in the best way. It's very bleak. It's twisted. Um, there's a little bit of like art house flair that's to it. But I mean, I even though it's like, it's one of those movies where I'll never watch it again. It is filmed beautifully like gorgeous film um there's a lot of mutilation going on uh yeah i'll, I'll never watch it again though like at all yeah like help that's, like, it's not a fun movie uh, i've heard yeah yeah that's that's uh no that 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 pick totally makes sense um <laughs> my my <laughs> third um my third pick would be um actually sort of related to my second pick in the sense okay. that it has a very similar opening. But I think it is one of the all-time great horror sequels. Uh, um, uh, and that is uh, When a Stranger Calls Back, which was made for television in the 1990s by the great Fred mm-hmm. Walton, who directed When a Stranger Calls, also um, you know, April Fool's Day. And, um, uh, and, and When a Stranger Calls Back um, uh, is uh, the first legacy sequel I've ever seen. Um, in fact, they were going to make a third one with Dimension that they ended up canceling later on. Um, but but it's the first legacy sequel I've ever seen, and it it um, it starts and you think it's going to be similar to the original One of Stranger Calls, which is also great. It is much more hardcore, and there is a sequence in a hospital in this movie that is not bloody, but it's just so messed up. It's so like perverse and weird and crazy. And what yeah. the character, what the antagonist in this movie does is just so disturbing and, and, and just, again, fetishistic. Um, and I just think that that movie is kind of a gold standard in terms of how you up the ante for a sequel. Again, it's a, it's a made-for-TV movie from the 1990s. So there mm-hmm. are things that, like, you might find dated, you might find boring. I don't think this movie is boring. I don't think this movie is dated. I'm saying this because I made everybody in my office watch it, and somebody told me this. Um, but... Uh, but I, I think this movie is like, and it is, it is, if you like what Scream did, uh, mm-hmm. meaning the new Screams, the radio silence Screams, uh, uh, or if you like what David Gordon Green did with Halloween, this is the first example of it that I've ever seen where they're actually yeah. making a legacy sequel. I think it's with all due respect to radio silence and David Gordon Green, I think it's scarier than those movies. Like it manages to maintain the sheer terror of the original, um, whilst having fun with the, like can canon nature of it um mm-hmm. i really that movie nobody talks about it but it is um uh i would call it a gore de force but it's not even gory the, the inside is a gore de force um but uh but yeah that's when a stranger calls back which i believe is 93 it's been a while since i've seen it um but i'm completely down with made for tv horror movies like that's 100 percent my jam Yes, absolutely. You know, I, there's a lot of great made-for-TV horror. Um, and a lot of it is, like, cemented into me. I mean, again, like, the miniseries was made-for-TV horror miniseries, mm-hmm. right? Like, especially in the 70s, you had so many interesting made-for-TV horror movies and, and, and series. Um, and uh, and you had, again, filmmakers like Wes Craven and John Carpenter making movies for television. Yes. One of my favorite Wes Craven made-for-TV movies. Um, oh, my gosh, now it just ran away from me. This is movie from the 70s. Linda Blair's in it. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that movie. I was obsessed with the movie. Like, I used to watch it a lot when I was, like, a teen. Because it would air on cable all the time. I never saw these things on cable. I'm just like, so when we were growing up, my I used to watch the Sci-Fi Network. That's where I saw all the Wishmaster movies. And, like, I like oh, cool. they play the Amityville movies. Yeah, like, I used to watch the Sci-Fi Network uh, back when it was S-C-I-F-I. Um, uh and then I uh, and then I remember there was Monsters HD briefly, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. Like I remember watching Tales from the Dark Side in HD on that network and just having my mind blown. Um, I remember as a kid, I my parents got TiVo, which is the biggest deal in the world. And I remember TiVoing Psycho Two, the Tom Holland written Psycho sequel. Um, and um, and uh, Tom Holland Child's Play, obviously not 
Spider-Man who wasn't born when the movie came right. out. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and, uh, uh, and I remember, I'm not joking, uh, Tebow Psycho 2, we went on like a family trip, came back and our house had a fire. And, or no, oh, I don't really? know if our house had, had a fire or Tebow had been erased. Something happened that it was taken off Tebow and I remember just being crushed. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. It's okay, it's okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> what can you... You know, it should be the worst thing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, those are my picks. Okay, those are some awesome picks. Okay. For my last one, I'm going with the Taiwanese horror, The Sadness. Um, 2021. Yeah, he's incredible. Like, this is, this is so weird because it's like, when I tell people that I like horror, it's kind of like, Either they don't believe me, or if I give them a recommendation, I never hear from them again. (laughs) But you said you wanted to be surprised. That's what you said. So, um, no spoilers, but throughout this whole movie, horrible things happen. And there's a particular thing that happens with an eye socket (laughs) that just, I've never seen it before. And it's just, it's gross. It's disturbing. I don't know, but in a way, I feel like people, if you can stomach it, I feel like people should experience it if you can. Yeah, I think the most notable thing for me about that train sequence that you're referring to is like the way it starts because the filmmaking mm-hmm. is so good. Like that's the thing. Yes. That's, I was talking to, uh, uh, I'll name drop specifically because if this person hears it, he'll love that I name dropped him. Uh, I was I was hanging out with Rob Savage, director of Host and, and The Boogeyman uh, awesome. a couple days ago. And, uh, uh, and we were talking, and I brought up Mother's Day, which he had never seen. So I'll also take this mm-hmm. opportunity to show his ignorance. Uh, and not having seen the original Charles Kaufman Mother's Day. Um, uh, and, um, uh, you know, I, uh, if you haven't seen Mother's Day, it's a messed up movie, right? It's, it's like the most, that and Combat Shock are like the two trauma movies that are like famously actually disturbing. Um, yeah. but the filmmaking's really good. And like, that's the most notable thing about it is like, when you can see a, 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 a it, for me, the, again, it, it's, it's a, it's good faith, bad faith. B it's like, is this being done by, an, by someone who actually has a point of view and is like a legitimate artist? Or is this just like, there is a big difference between, and I say this not to knock because I am a fan of these movies too. And I think that this guy was an innovator, but there's a difference between like Herschel Gordon Lewis and Stuart Gordon right? In terms mm-hmm. of what they're doing. Like, like, um, uh, uh, there, there is gore for gore's sake at a certain point stops being disturbing. And it's just like, can become sort of just like pornographic. Right. Um, uh, but, but the amazing thing about, um, the amazing thing about like a move, you know, when you can take something and that this is really what we strove for with Barbarian. Um, you know, when you can take something that, um, feels like a full moon gutter movie and you mm-hmm. can inject it with um, uh, uh, kind of a, an A sensibility, right? And I don't mean that like Transfers is a great movie. Like I'm not saying this is like, but there are limitations that those movies have. And I think that the great right. thing that the greatest genre filmmakers do, again, whether it's Carpenter with The Thing or um, or Aja with his Hells of Eyes remake or like, you know, obviously Quentin Tarantino, this is his whole thing. Or, or, and Spielberg with the old 50 serials. If you can give the B movies that we love, again, B in terms of the fact that they didn't have the budgets to do what they wanted to do and they didn't have the resources, whatever, and give them an A sensibility and really respect them. I mean, that's what Sam Raimi has been doing, right? Evil Dead 2 is is really just what he wanted, would have wanted to do with Evil Dead 1 and he had the resources. Mm-hmm. It would seem, right? Dawn of the Dead, Night of the Living Dead, like, you know, um, uh, and that's within their own oeuvre and those movies are great in their own right, right? They don't have limitations that a lot of these other movies do in, in, in any capacity, but that... That to me is is um, is is what's so noticeable about about Jabez as a filmmaker is like that kind of like uncomfortable exchange between that man and that woman that starts that sequence. Yes, just sets the table. You know. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. Um, I I have only watched it one time. I'm not gonna lie. All you, you know, need. It's, yeah, it's one of those one of those movies. Yeah. Um, I love. I love gore. I love zombies. They're kind of like zombies, like very unhinged yeah. type of zombies with no chill. So that's just always like a good time for me. That makes sense. But okay. Yeah, that's our list. But before you go, I do have a question for you. If you can answer, um, are there any 
projects that you can mention that we can keep an eye out for? Absolutely. Thank you so much. Well, um, uh, of course there is weapons, which I can't say anything about other than to say, which is Zach Craigers Falls of Barbarian, other than to say it's one of the best scripts I've ever read. Um, uh, I jumped out of my seat reading it with joy. Like I genuinely can't stress enough. This is, this script is unbelievable. I hope that, you know, again, I'm so excited for the movie. Um, we have a movie called Companion that is shooting right now. That is science fiction also. It's, it's more of a, it's not, it's not a straight horror movie at all, but, um, mm-hmm. but, uh, but it's surprising, I think, and I hope, and I, and it's, it's, um, we have some of the team from Barbarian on it, uh, and it's, uh, and I'm very excited about it, and I think it, again, it, it, what it does do also is that it is just a great time at the movies. It's very surprising. It's got thrills. It might have kills. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's, there's, without saying too much, there's, uh, mm-hmm. uh, it is a movie where you want to go in knowing as little as possible as you did on Barbarian. Um, in terms of what else we can mention right now, um, uh, without me getting in trouble, um, uh, uh, and, and within the genre, I mean, we have a movie called, uh, Threshold that's like, like a Carpenter-esque horror movie that we're working on right now that, um, will probably be announced imminently. Um, we'll find out. And then, um, uh, and then we've got something with Rob Savage that is like one of the most exciting scripts I've, I've, like, this is like, I think can be a, a new horror classic, God willing. It's, it's, um. All I'll awesome. say about it is it's like the hills have eyes meet seven in New York City. Sold. Yeah, it's it's really, really messed up. But there's, you know, again, like we're constantly, we have a couple of projects with a couple of different directors that I think, like right now, I've never been as excited about a slate as the one we have now. You know, thank God. I mean, that's really the goal always is how do we outdo ourselves, right? How do we, how do we like, I think Wrath of Becky is better than Becky won. And I think that that, um, and I think that that, that was not an accident. Like we went in, you know, I, I, I was a kid who was raised on Dimension and New Line sequels, right? And, mm-hmm. and um, uh, the sequels oftentimes for me, they would up the ante. And so it's like, I think the best Friday 13th is Friday 13th Part 6, right? Like, I don't think, um, now, that's not always, the, like, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, you can make an argument, is the best in the franchise. I, I think right. I prefer one, but it's pretty close, right? And the goal should always be, like, the fact that it's a sequel, the fact that it's a safe proposition means that you should make it as unsafe as possible, right? Like, um, uh, you should do something that just feels radical. And, and, and um, you know, so whether it's a sequel or a new thing, the goal is always to, like, have the thing you're doing right now be the best thing you've done yet. Like, and that really is how, sure. we, how, we try to, how we try to roll. Well, you guys are definitely doing it. Again, thank you so much for, for coming on, just dropping so many gems. I also added some movies to my watch list <laughs> that you. you mentioned, which I love that. Um, oh, and you, I'll just give yeah. one more recommendation that's not gnarly at all. It's very, it's, I mean, it's it's like a drag me to hell, the ring, you know, smile, if whatever. Um, but there is a classic horror movie called Night of the Demon uh, by Jacques Turner. Um, I did a, uh, I did a, um, uh, a trailer from hell on this movie, but I, I love it. Um, it's an, it's from 1955. It's black and white. There's no decapitations. Mm-hmm. It's not very bloody, but it's amazing. If you love the ring, if you love drag me to hell, if you love hereditary, if you love it follows these, this is the movie that a lot of those movies were ripping off. Um, it holds up very well. It's 1408 is another movie I love that really rips this movie off. This movie is, um, it's just, if you want to watch a movie from the 1950s so you can feel um, sophisticated and um, as I like to, you know, so you can convince yourself <laughs> that what we're doing is culturally important, um, which I, I'm just joking. Like, obviously, like, if you want to watch a movie, like, see the evolution of the genre. This mm-hmm. is one of the all-time great horror movies. It's, it's like one of the OG curse movies. Um, it's, it's based on a short, short story by M.R. James, who was like a late uh, 19th century academic at Cambridge, who was Lovecraft king etc before they existed like before they were writing like he he is the original horror writer in the way that we perceive horror writers today um and basically wrote the template for both for both cosmic horror and like emotional spiritual humanist horror that like became the twilight zone king uh uh um he wrote the short story that that night of the demon is based on um and you're just going to see so many of your favorite favorite movies showcased in this movie um you know, yeah, those are those are a couple of Okay, ones. awesome. I've always heard of this movie, but I have not watched it. So I'm gonna move it up on the list so I can check it out. Yeah, it's it's a it's a really good time. It's a really good time. 
Um, okay. But awesome. Thank you so much for, for, Thank you. for making the time for this and letting me talk horror. Of course. And you're welcome back anytime. I wish that you would just stay forever, <laughs> but I... <laughs> Thank you. I know you're busy. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Listen, like genuinely, I I um I make these movies for for my the, the horror community. Like genuinely, it's a it's a um it is an obsession of mine. And um you know again, like that feeling that we get um when we experience something that immediately feels iconographic is it's again, it gets, it it gets me high. I get high on the feeling of, um, you know, getting to play in that world. And so again, like I, 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 I get, I, I would, I would pay to do this job. Um, I would do it for free, obviously, if I would pay for it. Um, so the fact that, you know, the fact that people actually pay for these things and, and support original horror, um, is, uh, immensely moving to me and allows for, for more of it. And, um, you know, again, yeah, thank you everybody who, who, uh, who watches our movies and, and just watches good movies in general. And, um, uh, you know, and, uh, hopefully some, yeah, uh, yeah. I thank you. Thank you all so much. Thank you. All right. And that's the bloody disgusting podcast for this week, everyone. We hope that your week has been filled with the best kind of aura. So yeah. Okay. Bye. Thank you so much.